All right, welcome to Sanity Check, a podcast devoted to staying informed and sane in the time of Trump. I'm Ben, and I'm joined tonight by Mike. Hey. We are recording on the evening of Thursday, June 22nd, 2017. Today is day 154 of the resistance. We are now officially more than 10% through what I hope is Trump's only term. Is that true? Yay! 10%! (laughs) If you enjoy what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes, the Google Play Store, or at our website, sanitycheckpod.com. It's a little-known fact, but 10% is also the um, percentile of Donald Trump's IQ. That high? Um, I was going to say, if this were an exam, we would get an F. For electoral choice? Just getting a 10 on an exam is not good. No, that's true. It's not generally good. All right, so let's get right into our best and worst news of the week. My worst is really depressing. Um, there were a lot of bad things. Yeah, this week was really rough. And But for me, the worst thing that happened was um, this Muslim uh, woman. Young woman. Well, she was a teenager. Uh, she Quite was young. killed in Virginia. Uh, that's, what, that's what happened. Um and the the suspect is a 22-year-old man, and, you know, they're still investigating, but it seems clear to me that... A 22-year-old white man. Yeah, 22-year-old white man. And it seems clear to me that this guy was motivated by the fact that she was a Muslim. You know, she was wearing the... Um, Wasn't she leaving her mosque or something like that? Yeah. And yeah. so he just attacked her and killed her. And I think it's really horrible. And I also think it's horrible that... They aren't. They're not investigating it as a hate crime. When to me, it's clearly a hate crime. Um, and it's horrible that she would be targeted on the basis of her religious beliefs. It's you know, I don't really have a lot to say, but it, it's. It was just really, really. It, it was the news that I saw, and it was it was just terribly depressing and made it hard to go on with my day. You know, because she never did anything to anybody, and this guy just killed her. And it was bad. Completely terrible. And then the a little memorial to her was desecrated. Yeah. Yeah, which is also... I just... It really depresses me about this country that... I know it hasn't been like a bed of roses for people. You know, for all kinds of people over the history of the United States. But I, I was thinking that we were moving in a better direction. And then something like this happens. And I just find myself thinking, you know, are we... And clearly, th- since Trump was elected, we are not, in my opinion. We're, we're falling backwards. You know, even though things were never perfect or never even maybe good, you know, we never reached the ideal society that we want to have together. We were we were moving in a direction I liked, and now we're moving in the opposite direction. It does certainly feel that way a lot of the time. So that's really bad. Um, sorry to dwell on it. And then... Um, so what is your, what was your best news of the week? Well, it was hard to come up with a best, so I decided that my best news is that I, it seems like Sean Spicer's time as the press secretary might be drawing to a close, and um, he's he's getting like a weird promotion where he isn't actually going to be doing his job anymore, but he's not getting fired. Um, so you know that yeah, that whole situation is weird. It's very weird, but Trump clearly thinks he does a bad job and he doesn't like the job Spicer's doing, so. Steve Bannon um, said he was fat. Yes, Steve. I know, which is so cold that they were like, "Why are you doing? Why aren't there more press briefings?" And Bannon just says, "Sean got fatter." 
I mean, what a dick thing. Uh, well, it's also, know, it's not like Steve Bannon is a supermodel. No, well, right, people, glass houses. But also, like, I, I don't know, it was just so cold. So I think it's better for Sean, the more he can get out of this job. He, he needs to find some better friends who he can hang around with, who will be better influences on him than these yes. people. He, he's, he, like, doesn't, he doesn't belong with this crowd. He, he, he doesn't he fit in it. with them, and he should be proud of it. He should leave it to the Huckabee family to spew yeah, lies to just, and be horrendous, <laughs> horrible just people. just desecrate the idea of the United States. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really a like-daughter-like-father They're both extremely situation. dumb. Yeah. Um, and horrible so anyway it's not much of a best i'm doing i I put together the best idea i could i had trouble with mine as well i guess i'll um i'll start out with my best such that it is um which is uh, i think it i had mentioned many episodes ago um that there was a case being argued in front of the supreme court where even john roberts was skeptical of where the uh, Trump administration basically wanted to make it okay to take away citizenship retroactively. He's all about that. Trump's always on about that. So uh, the Supreme Court ruled in that case, and they ruled that it is not legal to uh, retroactively penalize naturalized citizens for lying about things that were immaterial to their gaining citizenship. This was the case where, like, the justices' questions were things like, say I once drove 62 in a 55, and then I didn't list that on my form. You'd want to take over my citizenship? And the poor lawyer was Was like, like, yes. "Yes." And they were like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Yeah, they were like, for God's sake. I mean, come on. I know, which was so stupid. But Roberts is turning more and more into, like, a... I think about him sometimes as looking around and being like, is this really what we're... Is this what we were doing? I don't know. He doesn't seem to. He doesn't yeah, seem to I, I'm not. I'm not right sure way. that it was entirely the Republican Party he signed up for. No, he he actually, you know, Gorsuch seems like a total a operative. Yeah, and Alito seems like a dumb operative. Well, he'll do whatever Clarence Thomas tells him. Now Thomas that. is is like a true believer and yeah. a zealous. I, I sort of respect that, even though he terrifies me. But Roberts doesn't really seem to. He he's not as much of a. He doesn't Die seem hard. like an obvious, just at complete asshole. Who, Roberts? Yeah. He seems to have the Comey thing to me a little bit, where he the thing he cares the most about is his own reputation. And yeah, I, I, his own reputation, the reputation of the institution that he works for. That's a Comey w- thing, too. Which is a Comey thing as well. Have we ever uh, seen them together in the same place? What, no. Are they the same guy? How tall is Roberts? Not nearly as tall, I don't think. <laughs> Maybe it's like Roberts and then like a child in like a trench right. coat is who Comey is. It's it's like total recall. <laughs> Isn't everything? Yeah. Um so my worst of the week uh which we will spend plenty more time on I'm sure is that this unbelievable monstrosity of a healthcare bill which President Obama very correctly pointed out today is not at all a healthcare bill. I know, Obama coming out of retirement to slam the Republican health care bill. It's almost certainly going to pass both houses of Congress. Do you think so? I am am thinking a lot about, I'm gaming this out a lot, and I'm not sure I know what's going to happen. Um, Well, we can get right into that. Let's get right into it. Let's do it. That is our our number one topic of the week, I think. Um, Well, the big thing that happened today was the text of the bill. We finally get to look at the bill. Yes. Now, the CBO has not released its report yet. I think that'll happen um, next week, and that will be 
Interesting, because in, in some ways, it appears that this bill is even more punitive than the House bill, and well, in some I ways, mean, less. It's like the House bill was like a shit sandwich with lettuce and tomato, and this is like a shit sandwich with mayonnaise and onion. So it's like, yeah. sure, it's a little different, but like, I don't want it. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, I mean, there. I think people are still reading it very carefully as well, and so the, <laughs> which I don't seems... know why, because we know what it's going to. I mean, I know why, but like, well, uh, so there, there's some differing opinions on exactly the how legal ramifications, we'll all be. <laughs> right? Um, so you know, I, I've I, the best summation I saw was something on Huffington Post today. Um, wow. I know that's unusual. What do you think? Ten, if if you could hear yourself saying that ten years ago, uh, well, if Ariana Huffington can change, then you know. Maybe Wasn't it Ariana can... Huffington that the Uber board member made the hilarious yes. sexist joke to? <laughs> she was like, "Come on, Bob." That company seems to be run by some real. Well, not class any, a not anymore. There, they've all been ousted. Fine by me. Yeah. So the. Um, in theory, the Senate bill puts back the prohibition on um, discrimination against people with pre-existing conditions, which the House bill removed. But I have seen um, talk from some Democrats, in particular Chris Murphy, um, who in reading the bill says he does not agree that, that, that the bill actually does that. Um, so it, well, they're it, trying it's hard to keep to things. Uh, the only language excerpts I've seen from the bill were extremely confusingly put. Like the bill seems yeah. written to obfuscate what the bill does. Well, everything about this process has been to obfuscate. And I know legislative language is sort of like computer code. You know, it's like it's not necessarily easy for a layperson to yeah. understand. But even at that, even with that in mind, it seems really obfuscated. I mean, I think one of the most important takeaways is that. The Senate bill has actually even deeper cuts to Medicaid than the House bill did, which is amazing. That is amazing. I mean, it's it, it, like I don't even know where they found more stuff to cut. Um, well, and um, and and they, I mean, it, it's it's really monstrous. You know, they they kept in the House provision allowing states to waive uh, essential health benefits. Um, I mean, if this bill passes, from my understanding, things will go back to being at least as bad as they were pre-ACA, and possibly worse. I think probably worse. I mean, just just take the fact that, uh, as written, Planned Parenthood would be defunded for a year, which... Cool. It's It seems like a total just fuck you from the Republicans... Because it's specifically Planned Parenthood will be defunded for one year, it's or like, Mitch just put it in there so he can have something to offer Susan Collins. I mean, it's entirely possible. Um, I mean, there, there's a bunch of other stuff which is really anti-women's health, in my opinion, um, with the essential health benefits. Um, I find, so, so with the health care bill, I find myself. I've been thinking a lot about it at like a meta level. Like I knew the bill was going to be bad. I didn't know what the details were. It surprises me that it's this bad. But I've been really interested in how, sort of parallel to this particular healthcare bill, we've also been seeing Mitch McConnell try out a sort of experiment in how 
laws how laws can be passed because the the procedure he used to get this ready was very odd from historic from a historical perspective yes. of how the U.S. government is supposed to work. You know, there were no public hearings, there were no committee markups, nothing, and it was just secret, which is weird. and And I think he's been sort of piloting this to see if this works, and it, it seems like it worked to me. I mean, they haven't passed the bill yet, so we'll see what happens. But like the you know the approval ratings haven't really moved that i can see particular you know specifically in response to this tactic um no and- i mean to, to be fair the bill is already so massively unpopular i'm not sure how much further it could well yeah isn't down. it like 17 percent? i mean like, like it's that. about as popular as like herpes um but so I've been thinking about, like, what can we do to fight against stuff like this? Because I think some of the weaknesses that have been exposed here is Democrats are a party that really likes to look at policy details. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll be like, where's the white paper? Like, what, you know, how will it all work out when we analyze all the different components? And I think we've talked about this before as sort of one of the, one of the differences between Hillary and Bernie. Yep. Where, like, Hillary had really detailed plans and Bernie had sort of larger statements of principle. And I find myself thinking that... We should have those policy details because I think that it's well, important that the plans actually work. Yes. But in terms of how to deal with a bill like this, my take is that that approach doesn't work partly because if he doesn't release the details, we don't have anything we can talk about. And I think we would have been doing better if over the last two weeks we were just saying they're going to cut health care for poor people so that they can give a huge tax cut to rich people, which is what they're doing. Yes, I mean, as President Obama said, this is not a health care bill. This is a t- no. This is a monstrous tax cut. That it's a bill you- to take health care away from people to give people yeah. a tax cut. So, mm-hmm. like, it's <laughs> it's only a health care bill in the sense that, like, the Clean Air Act was a ozone bill. Does that work? Sort of. Sort of. I like the Clean Air Act, but yeah. So that's one of my takeaways. But then also, I think. The other group that turns out to be really weak against McConnell's approach is the press, because they also like to have a document. You know, they want something to write about. Yes. And they can't, if they don't know what's in the bill, they they seemingly are unable to write a story, because they don't know what's true. So they can't say, you know, this bill is going to do such and such, because they don't know what it's going to do. So I don't know what they can do to deal with this situation. I know what I think Democrats should do. Well, what do you think Democrats should do? I just said, just, you know, in the case of this healthcare bill, it was pretty easy because the House because bill it was, existed. Because it was predict- predictable what was going to come out. Yeah, and so you could just set up some markers, right? Because on the other hand, right, if it turned, if they released some bill where they were like, we're doubling Medicaid's funding and we're raising taxes, you know, like. Well, then you could it, say, oh, sure, great. Yeah, set Perfect. it up such that either they do the right thing or we've set it up so that we can punish them more accurately as soon as they do release the bill. Well, this you know. is why I, I was in favor of and why I was calling my senators to urge them in the case of, uh, you know, I've got a, one Democratic and one Republican senator. So my Republican senator, I was calling to urge not to be a complete asshole and um, that history would remember him as a monster if he votes for this bill. Um, and my Democratic senator, I called to thank for being outspoken against um, the House bill and the likely Senate bill, but to urge him to take any parliamentary measures possible to uh, put pressure on the Republicans to release 
the contents of the bill and uh, do this out in public. Um, and I, I wish the Democrats had done more of that. I mean, I, I – They did a little. I think – I don't know. I feel like I'm going to lose my leftist cred if I say this. I feel like I have thought the Democrats were doing a, a decent job. Yeah, I mean, I they have no actual perfect, power. But I mean, the majority, the Senate is in the control of the Republicans. Yep. And I think it, it starts to, I've seen a lot of comments of, you know, why aren't the Democrats fighting? I feel like the Democrats were trying to fight, but they're in the minority. You know, they don't no, have the I mean, votes M- to do McConnell anything. McConnell has done a very crafty job of setting it up. Well, that's the other. McConnell is a really good, is a really canny. He's not Paul Ryan. Clever. Oh, Paul Ryan is terrible at this. And it showed in how much, like, this went a lot more smoothly than the House bill, where they biffed it super hard that one time and had to come back and try again. Yeah, I mean, McConnell has done everything to basically cut the Democrats off at the pass. Yeah. And give them as little opportunity as possible to object to anything. I mean, it depends how far, you know, like, barring, like, just walking out and, like, you know, I don't know what it is that the Democrats, sometimes people talk about, like, why aren't the Democrats fighting? But I don't know what it means. I don't know what they're expecting them to do. There's no but. They can't, like, wave a, you know, this is sort of a cliche, but, like, they can't wave a magic wand and cause themselves to be the majority. No, one thing I'll say that I'm disappointed, not with the elected Democrats, but with us Democratic voters. Um, Why, and I include myself, I, I guess I'll include you since we're having this conversation, but why are we not out in the streets? Like, well, I think I... that's an interesting question from, like, there was a very effective protest that I've been seeing a lot of news reports about, about um, people who were disabled. Yes. Who were protesting in the Capitol, and I think that's excellent. And, I, you know, they're, I... Well, that was a relatively small protest. I, yeah, but it had a lot of impact. And a, I, I mean, the objects of, that they did of that. yanking disabled people out of their Well, and I think, you know, they're making the point that this law would really affect their lives personally. Yeah. And they don't like it. Um, why aren't we out in the streets? You know, this is one of the difficult, we talk sometimes at the end of the show about like, how are we staying sane? And I've always, I always sort of spiral off into the epistemological terrain, but I think people can't be out in the streets every day. I mean, maybe they could. I, I agree with that. I, I I would say that this, this is one of those, you got you got to pick your fights. This is probably one that's worth picking. Well, like I was saying, I think this is one of the difficult things of the Trump era is everything is incredibly fucked up. And I agree that it's important to do something. But, you know, people can only, like, quit their jobs and become itinerant protesters once and it's right. not necessarily a sustainable lifestyle. Oh no, no, I'm I'm not calling for um constant protest, but I think, you know, a one dedicated multi-million people demonstration across the country, you know, with with one oh, particular just that. focus in DC. I I mean, we did it the, the women's march, we did it um it happened 
spontaneously when uh, Trump tried to put the travel ban in place when he first came into office. In a now, way, I, I think this is another sign of how effective McConnell's technique was. Because yeah. what you need to – what would be ideal for a situation like what you're describing some kind is of for spark. there to be some yeah. thing that happens. So you could have Trump getting inaugurated or a travel ban is tries to right. get put into effect. and It works people up. In the case of the healthcare, everyone cares about it a lot. I mean, oh, the polls show that people think this bill is garbage and they they hate it. You know, I think the phone call volume. I don't. You know, it's hard to know for sure what's going on with the phone call volume. There's I've anecdotal heard about that. Yeah, there's anecdotal reporting that there's a lot of calls coming in. Um, although I haven't been getting the busy signals I used to get right at the beginning. I've I've, I agree. Through, I, I've I've gotten through to. Um, my Republican senator yeah. a lot more easily than I was. Me too, previously. which suggests to me that people aren't calling as much as they should be. But um, with this health care, you know, it's like there's, well, like what happened today? They released the text of the bill, and then there's going to be the CBO score, and then there's going to be a vote, and then there's going to be reconciling the House and Senate versions. And they're it's hard to least, identify where at least three in votes. there. What? Yeah, there are going to be at least three more votes. Right, and then there's going to be Trump signing it, right? And so, like, it, it, there isn't one actionable event that's happening. It's sort of a process. Yeah, I think I think your point is well taken. Um, I still it doesn't mean I, we shouldn't protest. I, I still it just feel pro- it, frustrated. It's practically different. Yeah. Well, and the other thing about protest is. It's one tool in the box, but I don't know. It, it's not. I don't know. I feel like we we should get like a real organizer on here to talk about this because I'm basically talking out of my ass. I don't know what the most effective thing is. I think it would certainly make um, Republican Congress people nervous. You think a protest in New York City is going to make Republican Congress people nervous? No, but I think that the spontaneous ones that were happening uh, all over the country. Uh, previously were. And I mean, I think, I'm not even sure what we're talking about. I, I, I think I agree that if if we had the ability to to cause there to be huge protests, then that would be great. But, you know, it's like I was saying before, people can't protest all the time. You know, people aren't the way they... People aren't perfect. People have stuff they have to do. It's exhausting. Just calling your senators every day is, is something not everybody can even do. Yeah, no, and I no, think they're going to pass. So, any, oh, but we were talking about are are they going to pass this bill? I'm actually not sure. Right, I think so you're gaming it out. It. Well, right. I mean, I as of this very second, they claim not to have the votes. Calling Republican senators is definitely warranted. I think that's an easy one. Well, that takes not that much effort. It's it's the the risks are like the uh, cost benefit is really good because you take about five minutes, and it makes an, it makes a difference. Um, I'm not sure whether I think it's going to pass or not. The th- senators have different political uh, considerations than House members because That's they they run true. in entire states, and so if you're so like the guy in Nevada, for example, Nevada is a Medicaid expansion state. It's an increasingly blue state. It's an increasingly blue state. It's a state where the senator—I forget the dude's name—but he's going to be up for. Re-election is it Heller? Who's Dean the Heller? Yes, and he's already he's, got a pretty strong challenger, and he's going to be up for re-election in sixteen months. You know, like soon. 
Yes. And so someone like him, the politi- and this bill, as we've talked about a couple of times, is just in the toilet in terms of its popularity. <laughs> Um, and it's going to hit a lot of his constituents. Yeah, people are going to face. And this, we've been talking about this you know, a lot for a of long poor time. immigrant workers in Clark County in Nevada. This is what's different about healthcare: is people really notice when you take away their healthcare in a way with, that they, you know, if you like change the regulations so there's more pollution, maybe people don't like it, but like it's diffused over society. But if an individual person can't get medical care because you changed the law. That's very identifiable and hard to talk your way yeah, out of. And, and we've seen that quite dramatically at the town hall meetings that the couple of Republicans have uh, been willing to hold. And so there's all these Republican House people where they have gerrymandered safe districts. So in a way, it doesn't matter. You know, they can do whatever they want. But if you're a senator, that doesn't help you at all because you vote, you know, Las Vegas is just as much no. a part of Nevada's. Yeah. And the Republicans do have an advantage at the moment that they don't have that many Senate seats to defend in 2018. No, they don't, but they do have some. Yes. Dean Heller probably being the number one pickoff target for Democrats. I think that's accurate. And so so there's that problem where the political – the bill is terribly unpopular, which right from the start, anybody who's up for re-election is thinking about that. And it's Mitch McConnell was – I don't mean to interrupt you even no, though no. I, I just did. But um, Mitch McConnell was very canny in his destruction of Medicaid is that um, the House, because Paul Ryan is really stupid. He's um, terrible. He set the Medicaid cuts to start at the beginning of 2018 which would have been like a really terrible political idea. Yeah. Um, And uh, Mitch McConnell delayed them to the beginning of 2019. I'm not sure how much I think that's going to help them because, I mean, it is smarter. Uh, I totally agree that it's smarter. It's definitely on purpose that he... Yeah, but I mean, I'm not sure how much better a position you're in to be like... Because the opponent can just say, this guy voted for a bill that will start killing your grandparents next year. As opposed to, like, it has now killed your grandparents. And I agree that's, like, one that, of those it, is better than the other, yeah. but they're neither. I wouldn't want to have either of those no, hanging over certainly. me if I could avoid it. I mean, they're, no, it's not an easy political position to defend. So uh, there's that part of it. Plus, I think um, it, it's got the same problems the House bill did where there's members of the Republican caucus who are who are, more, who are on the right and they don't yep. like this bill because it's not far right enough, like Rand Paul. And then there's ones who are more moderate, more towards the center, and they don't like it because it's too extreme. And so anything you try to do to please the first kind of people is going to make it worse for the second kind of people, and vice versa. I, I totally hear you, but do you really have trouble seeing a scenario where – so like at the moment, you've got you know Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins on to, to, to the moderate left – Um, Yeah, I mean, it comes... And you've got Rand Paul and Ted Cruz and Mike Lee on the right who they don't find it punitive enough. But do you really have trouble seeing a scenario where um, some of the funding to Planned Parenthood gets put back in to placate Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski and I don't know what... I definitely think McConnell has tried to set himself up with some uh, sops he can give to people like what you're talking about. But the thing I keep coming up with is, like, he can only afford to lose two. Yes. And I'm not sure if Mitch is committed to passing this bill 
or if he's committed to bringing it up for a vote. I don't know. I don't feel like I know. Well, what would be the point of bringing it up for a vote? Because then you can get past. Because then you can say, well, you know, I offered my bill. It it means that he is no longer on the hook for having to repeal Obamacare. Because he can say, I tried to do it, and my my caucus didn't do it, and so we're going to move on to tax cuts. I don't sure. I'm not sure if I think that's like a good outcome from his point of view. Because he's really taken ownership of this. Apparently, he is largely the author of this bill in the Senate. Well, I mean, like I said, Such that I, I don't know if I can, yeah. I can't read his mind. But the mm. problem is, I can think of too many senators that I authentically believe actually don't want to vote for that. There's too many. I can think of like four at least. I can say Ted Cruz is not one of those. So oh, I wasn't even thinking of him. I'm thinking of Rand Paul, Susan Collins. I, I'm Kowski. pretty sure the two of them, in any scenario, I suspect they won't. They'll be the ones who don't vote for it. But the Bill problem Cassidy is there's like three a or possibility. four more. Because yeah, there's Louisiana. Shelley Moore Capito, there's Heller, there's right, Murkowski. You give, you give Shelley Moore Capito some money for opioid programs. I know, but like know, I'm saying, like, he, he he might be able to like run the table and buy off everybody, but that's an awfully difficult challenge, especially because, like for example, you mentioned Planned Parenthood. But if you do that, then you then suddenly maybe Ted Cruz doesn't like it as much. You know, like... It's a difficult balancing act. And plus, you're going to have people in wheelchairs getting arrested in the Capitol every day. You're going to have ads. You're going to have Democrats just shredding you. You're going to have the, you know, every, the public hating the bill. Well, this is why we should all be doing die-ins, you know? I mean... Well, I, 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 like I said, you know, there's, there's a whole array of tools, and I don't know which ones are the best for which situations or what, but I, I don't think it's a given that he's going to pass the bill. I, I don't think it's a given either, but I, it seems very likely to me. If I had to put my money on one outcome, I, would, I see a 50-50 tie that's broken by Mike Pence in favor of the bill. Just like with Betsy DeVos, I think McConnell is going to give two permission slips. Yeah, that's uh, but, but Mike Pence I, will say it's the greatest honor of his life. I don't think that there's an over fifty percent chance of that happening, because I could. So you think there's a less than fifty percent chance that the bill will be passed? I do. I do think that. At which point it would be dead in the water, and would just go. It would go back to the House. Well, no, it wouldn't go anywhere. Well, it would go back to the House, and that they, if they wanted to, they could try to write another, a new, another bill. God, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're yeah. really excited to do that. But yes, technically, well, the thing is, technically, anyone can write any law. You know, if they wanted to write a bill that could pass, they could easily do it. The Democrats will deal on this. But no, they won. I've been told over and over again by Fox News that the Democrats have refused to to participate and negotiate. What, have refused to find the secret room in the basement that's locked with the 13 guys in there? Yeah. Like that. no, that's crazy. Uh, I, if you came to the Democrats... That's what Fox News told me. It was Barack Obama himself who kept trying to give Social Security away to John Boehner. Democrats are pathetically willing to deal on this stuff. But they didn't even ask for it. So, I mean... They don't want to write a... Their, their primary goal is not to write a bill that'll pass. It's to write a bill that will allow them to cut taxes enormously. And to so and then to do the bare minimum necessary to make it possible to pass that. And so we're going to see if Mitch McConnell has hit well, his target correctly. And they want to be correctly. able to say that they quote-unquote repealed Obamacare, even though what they're doing is not... Well, they aren't. Not they're re- not repealing Obamacare. No. 
they're just that's Rand Paul's big they're complaint. They're just pouring it down, you know. This is an amendment to, to the American to the Affordable Care Act. I mean, uh, technically, as a matter of law, this is an amendment to the Obamacare, not a repeal. Well, they wouldn't be able to repeal it for a variety of reasons. Well, because they'd need sixty votes. Yeah, that's probably the biggest reason. So I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I hope you're right. I, you're well, more pessimistic about betting it than against I am. Mitch McConnell has always a been a losing mm-hmm. wager because he's very good at this. He tends not to do things, unlike Paul Ryan, who will bring bills to votes that are not going to pass. Mitch McConnell tends not to do that. He tends not to propose things that he doesn't know. And it's well, entirely possible takes, this is all stage managed. And take such ownership of it. Well, like, I could imagine that he had, he has, it's possible he's already worked out who's allowed not to vote on it, and this is all theater. Oh, entirely I wouldn't put possible. it past them. But I think that even if that's the case, there's something different when you actually have to vote for something that you know is evil. And I think too many of them know that. Not all of them. But I think too many of them know that this is going to kill people in their state, especially once the CBO score comes back. I think that's going to be a really interesting inflection point in this whole yeah. saga is when the CBO score comes back. Because, I mean, I, I have no idea what it's going to be, but it's not going to be good. Because there are plenty of senators who don't give a fuck and who will kill people in their state to give a big tax cut. Sure. But I don't think that that's all of them. And I, I find myself suspecting that there's at least three of them who I'm won't like, You know what? It's it. like, why, why is, you know, Jeff Flake and Ben Sass, who among the Republican con- uh, caucus, don't, they don't seem like monsters. I mean, well, uh, I mean, it, these speaking, are, this is right? the same question where it's like, why is it that in the morning around the congressional gym, all the Republicans will be like, yeah, Trump's crazy. It's a fucking joke that he's president. And then they'll put their suit and tie on and go out and be like, Trump is an awesome hero. Well, Jeff, but Jeff Flake is another one of these senators who is at risk in 2018. So, so. Yeah. Well, and I, I don't think the signs have been universally, universally positive for this bill. You know, you could imagine a point where McConnell introduces the bill and all the Republicans are like, this is a good idea and we like it. But that's not what's happening. Even, no, but you know, we also have we have not had a single Republican senator say, "I will not vote for this bill." But they never say that. If you don't never shut count down, on Republican moderates, you if you don't that. shut down this bullshit secrecy nonsense. No, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, and it's rare that Republicans ever do anything that's not horrible. So. I shouldn't be optimistic. I'm not really optimistic, but I, I would be surprised just as a matter of self-interest. I'm, I, I have to. I, I'm, I'm surprised that you're you're more optimistic about it than I am, which uh, it does surprise me. Well, it doesn't make any sense, but of course, this has never made any sense to me that these bills seem needlessly cruel, like for no reason. They seem. It seems like a combination of needless cruelty, as you say, and also. It seems like a terrible political idea. That's what I'm saying. I don't. So I've, I've I've had trouble. Like I get that we hate Obama. Not we. I don't. But I get I get that they hate Obama. Right. They made it the centerpiece of their whole thing that they were going to repeal Obamacare. Like I get all that. But there's so many easier ways they could pass an amendment that like adjusted a few of the ratios and then be like, all right, we fixed it. 
They could easily do that. They could just pass a big-ass tax cut. Yeah. I don't know why they don't just do that. I don't know why they're doing this. It doesn't make any sense practically. It doesn't make any sense politically. It's like, I know Republicans hate poor people, but I didn't know they hated them enough to willfully sacrifice their own popularity just to, like, kick the poor people when they're already down... You know, I just don't understand. No, it but it's sense. not even kick them. They're literally like stepping on them, their neck. Yeah, yeah I mean... It's, so um... people can have another mansion. I mean, it, it's horrible. And very stupid. And, yeah. I don't know. I feel uh, well, like I'm going around in circles. What's my... T- so my AHCA... Of course, the the um, the Senate one is called BRCA, right? Yeah, which I can't take seriously because that's an acronym for... Um, a breast cancer gene. That's what I thought, right? Why yeah. would you name your bill after so like, like a dangerous medical condition? It's like I, I did. Yeah, they talk to any are. doctors? I'm sure not, because any doctor knows BRCA is the initials of a of like a marker for breast yeah. cancer. Right. So it's uh, yeah. I don't get it. It's I don't any get any of it. it. I mean, well, I guess let's see what happens in the next week. I'm sure there will be some new horrors. So just okay, let's have a little fun here. Who who do you think is going to vote against the bill in the Senate? Um, I think Susan Collins is going to vote against it. And uh, as of right now, I think Lisa Murkowski would vote against it. And then my my next pick for someone uh, is between Rand Paul and Bill Cassidy. If you name, uh, if you Cassidy. name one more, then you're saying you bet that it's not going to pass. Well, I'm saying I don't think Collins and Murkowski are going to vote against it. I, I'm. I you was think just they'll vote my... for it. Uh, no, I. I... Let me <laughs> what start. What are we over. talking about? I'm saying who's going to vote against Susan the bill? Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski will vote with the Democrats, and then everyone else will vote for it, and therefore it'll pass. Uh, that's my best guess. I do my have... guess is different. I do have the people who I think would be the most likely to join. No, but Susan that's not Collins what I asked Murkowski, you. Yeah. And my guess about what's going to happen is, I actually guess that Rand Paul, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, and Heller will all vote against it. And so you think Bill Cassidy and Jeff Flake will vote for it? Well, I th- what I because I think what I just said, I don't know what the rules of the Senate are like, but it's possible we'll see something like what we saw in the House the first time where they won't bring it to a vote. Because, like, a million people were going to vote against it. Well, that. once it's not going to pass, like, once three people are not going to vote for it, then they don't want to bring it to a vote anymore. Because why would you bring it to a vote for it to not pass? Well, you you were saying that Mitch McConnell might want to do that just so... Yeah, but I don't know. He, I can't read that yeah. guy's mind. But anyway, that's my bet. I'll put my, okay. I, I won't put much money on it, but well, my bet is hasn't any money to Collins, Murkowski, Paul, and Heller are my bet that they're not going to vote in favor of the bill. I, can you I'll abstain you... in the Senate? Yeah, you sure, can. Sure, sure, you can do that. I'll bet you two cheesesteaks that each each of us votes, uh, or each of us pays for our own cheesesteak. I actually suspect we're both wrong. I don't know what's really yeah. going to happen. Something crazy. What if, what if it's a 50-50 tie and then Pence votes against it? That's impossible. That's got to be the lowest probability outcome. Yeah. That's impossible. Like, He's been Mike Pence has been dignity wraith to, to, to steal fully. a term from Josh. No, but Marshall. I've been thinking, what if Trump vetoes it? 
because he says it's too mean and doesn't well, have enough like, heart. Well, because like someone gets in his office and is like, "Hey, the you're, the people who voted for you aren't going to like this," and he's just like, "Veto." The thing is, I don't think that's likely, but I don't think it's zero percent. I would say that there's a much higher chance of that than Pence voting against it. No, Pence is a good soldier. Yeah. It's the greatest honor of his life to work for that raping I was just going to say something horrible about him. He's like one of the ones where he would have been following orders. Oh, big time. I think you know what I'm talking about. He would look really nice with a a pasted-on white mustache to go along with that pasted-on helmet hair. I, yeah, he creeps me out. All right, what's our next topic? Um, so we, we're going to continue with our theme of great disappointment. Oh, for the love of God. You know, uh, this is the Georgia 6th and South Carolina 5th, right? Yes. I'm actually not that disappointed, and I'm I'm like, I'm not surprised. So oh, I'm John not surprised Ossoff at all. So Ossoff didn't win. No. And the South Carolina guy didn't win. Putnam, what was his name? Uh, Parnell. Parnell. Archie Parnell. Archie Parnell. So... They didn't win. So the Republicans no. won both of the seats. And I'm not surprised at all that that happened. No, they are deep red seats. But there have been all these news stories where people are like, Democrats in disarray. Should they get rid of Nancy Pelosi? Like, will well, they ever win any elections ever again? Yeah. Do they need to radically change their message? Should they just destroy their whole party and rebuild it from the ground up? And I'm like, guys, these are red districts. No. Like, we, <sighs> we were never going to win. It's very frustrating to see the overreaction because I think the message here is well, that's typical democratic behavior. No, it is. A, but and it's very and stupid. media writes likes writing articles like that. I know, so. but I mean, my takeaway on from this is John Ossoff was a novice and he wasn't particularly good as a candidate, and the race drew national attention, which was a little bit of a had a little bit of a backfire. Yeah, I think there was a certain amount of fatigue with him. Uh, yeah, well, and you know, it's a it's a district that the Republicans have held for decades. Tom Price won it by double digits. Trump won it, although by a narrow margin. So, yeah. I mean, it's completely consistent with what we should have expected. That I think Ossoff I, I was I was disappointed that Ossoff underperformed Hillary. He lost by a little bit more than I was expecting him to, but. Within, you know, if you came to me two years ago and you showed me this result, I would oh, have been like, course. that's a pretty good result. And I still think that. And the South Carolina result was actually better than we expected. I, I mean, we're not going to... That wasn't even redder district. One of the flaws in Hillary's campaign, and this is relevant, and I'm not just rehashing the 2016 campaign for no reason, <laughs> but it was this belief that we could flip Trump voters. Uh, well, at that, back at the time, they weren't Trump voters, but they were Republicans. Right. You know, it was, it was this belief that with a centrist moderate, mild message, we might pull some of the typical Republican voters. We're never going to pull them. And that's this no. result now, just confirms I, that to me. I, I do think it is possible to get back some of the Obama-Trump voters. I think that too, but that's different. And this yes, district is, was, is a red district full of Republicans. Yeah. And Republicans like to vote Republican. And that's that was just not an Obama-Trump district. No. And, and so I'm not surprised by this at all. And in fact... I took the on net the evening was good news to me because of the South Carolina result, which is ridiculous. That yes, district is that like one was surprising, very surprising. That district was supposed to be impossible to even get close in, and this guy I also got don't very think close. That dumping money into that would have made any difference. This is one of the interesting things that I, I want to talk about a little bit. Is my take on the outcome was was mildly disappointing, but really not 
not that different from what we should have expected. However, I do think it's interesting that you have the two examples. Georgia 6, which which I would say is a more Democratic winnable district between the two of them. It definitely but, was. But John Ossoff actually lost by more he did. than Parnell. And the other difference which you just touched on was the Ossoff race attracted a huge amount of funding. The, the a most huge expensive amount of national house attention. race ever. Yeah. Meanwhile, the South Carolina one was totally ignored. And I wonder if there's a lesson there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, and I I think the media didn't do a great job reporting on some of the financial aspects they they focused, and I understand why on the record amount of money that Ossoff raised, primary almost entirely from small money donations. Um, you know, he raised about twenty seven million dollars, um, but they didn't really comment on the fact that the Republicans spent effectively an equal amount of money they just didn't do it through small money donors they you know used their citizens united advantage and used super PACs, uh, largely a paul ryan super pack um and so, i don't know I mean, the jeb the jeb thing i'm not sure if i think i don't know what difference money really makes sometimes like and the reason i mentioned jeb bush is he yeah. had a gigantic pile of money right and it didn't do anything he in the primary it it he, it made no difference whatsoever. It, it, he didn't win anything. And so, you know, Ossoff spent a huge amount of money. He wasn't particularly likable. I think you need to have a certain amount of money just in order to be able to pay your campaign infrastructure and whatnot. Yeah, I think yeah. that's probably true. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, for me, I'm still trying to figure out what, what impact. You know, there... People who are running in these races are very focused on fundraising, and the institutional consultants and people who work on these campaigns are very focused on raising money. And I'm suspicious of that, because I'm not sure how much I think fundraising is actually aligned with electoral success. I have no idea. On I don't know either. Idea. Like, Hillary raised a shitload of money. She sure did. But so did... President Obama, right? Yeah, but so did, but so that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it yeah. seems, it doesn't seem to be the variable that changes what happens. The money, no, no. and I, I, I think because Parnell, how much money did Parnell have? Right, like he came way none. closer than he should have, and he they didn't spend any money. Yeah, so and it's I, possible I, it worked better. Now, of course, people have been extrapolating this out to national politics, and I'm not sure how relevant it, it is. In, specifically in the Georgia 6th District, but uh, as you say, have been talking about, do we need to completely scrap the whatever message Democrats are using? And like, you know, what does this mean? Should Democrats be running more to the center? Should they be running more to the left? The thing um, that's so frustrating to me is these two districts are not where we should care about. Like, right, that's what I'm saying. I don't we think were, it's that relevant. <laughs> if we were going <laughs> to test our, I hate this word, but like brand, and then make adjustments to it, these districts would be it would be nonsense to use them because we're never winning these districts unless we're like, you know what? Let's go back to being the party of slavery. Like, you know, if right. the... <laughs> I, I do think we're going to see an argument for the next year and a half. You know, uh, Joe Scarborough went on TV the next day and not that we should listen to Joe Scarborough. About yeah. Republican Congressman Joe Scarborough, if I'm yes. not, but he was like, well, I, he's like, I don't understand why Democrats don't, find candidates in the South who are moderate, pro-life, pro-Second Amendment, 
candidates. You know, they would clean up if they did that. Uh, I disagree. I disagree with that. And that strikes I, me I, as bullshit in like at least three different ways. Right, and just e- off the top even of if my they head. did win, I wouldn't want to vote for them. But it these are the blue dog Democrats he's talking about. There used to be a bunch of these. They were useless. Right. Well, and John. To be fair, John Ossoff was about as close to a blue dog Democrat as now exists. I think. I think he ran like a Hillary Clinton style campaign where he just tried to be very mild and moderate and, and say almost nothing. Very it, sort of warm but extremely vague appeals to citizenship and civic right goodness. he was very pro business he specifically yeah. said that he was not in favor of any form of single payer um sure which you have to say down there i understand that right. but like i mean, I, I, I don't know what he believes i'm not sure what i think joe scarborough is full of shit is my answer to what you just said right but so and then of course you've got you know we, we were talking off the air um before we started recording about um uh, some another podcast that that you've been listening to, um, which wants to go, you know, basically as left as possible. Strategy yeah, goes, right. Well, and I think I've been, you know, trying to diversify my media diet to make sure I'm getting all the different. That's perspectives. a good idea. Um, and I'm a pretty left wing person in my what I think I, would be good, and I, I also that. think that. There's something toxic and non-functional about the sort of centrist, third-way, compromise-based theory of politics. I think it's a dead end that we have to get out of this, you no, know, Particularly like, if only one of the parties wants to do it. Yeah, well, right, it has the, it, it sort of ends up functioning like unilateral disarmament and in, and, and, and also... I don't think it's a good electoral strategy. I suspect Ossoff might have done better if he had said, if he had tried more left. I mean, I don't know if that's true. I don't know that district very well. But I think that if we try to, there's this old model where the Republicans say, like, I'm a, I'm an extremist and I want to have an extreme free market based system and extreme yeah. theocracy. And then the Republican, and then the Democrats come in and they're like, well, that seems awfully extreme. Let's do 30% of that. And I just think that's a fundamentally bad way to try to win elections, to be like, to be like the same, but just less, you know? And so I I think I agree with the lefties where I, I don't know. It would be interesting to me to see the experiment where John Ossoff says, yes, I think everybody should get health coverage and I think we should do single payer health care. Like, just see what happens. I, I'm not the Bernie phenomenon did make me. I was surprised at the level of support. So I think there is more As we can I. learn about that. And um, I mean, why not try, right? If you're going to lose, why not lose trying to do something good? Lose big, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I still don't think that Bernie is the right messenger. No, but populism. It's not like pro- the South progressive is this populism. Very, Elite. Yeah. I mean, this particular Georgia Six was a very elite, snobby, educated, rich people place. But even so, I think there's a lot of counties in the South where a populist message works. Yeah, and I mean, a populist message clearly worked with a lot of um, working class people in in the last presidential election. Well, um, the tricky part is we we want to do some things. I'm not willing to compromise on. Like, I don't think we should be trying to run pro-life candidates. I don't even no. like to use that framing. Anti-choice candidates. Well, that's why I said progressive popul- populist. Well, and I think we have to be really clear about the racial stuff, too. That, 
people of all races deserve dignity and respect and to be treated the same by the mm-hmm. state. And my sus- I, I would put that again, also under progressive. My suspicion is that if we say to people, we're going to... Everybody wants to raise taxes on the rich. Everybody, except rich people. And even some of them want to. So, I mean, fundamentally, if you just say, we're going to raise taxes on rich people and we're going to help you with the problems you face in your life, it's a good message. That's a good message. I believe that that's a good message. (laughs) You might refer to it as the Joe Biden message. Well, it's a message that has a track record of winning elections. Trump said this. He was lying, but he well, said right, it. This is why I said it was very effective in this last presidential yeah. election. And I, it's just stupid. We've basically let them, like, Jedi mind trick us out of all our most powerful weapons. Yeah, because we, we invented that message. Well. Sort of. We, we made it really popular in the 1930s and 40s. It has a good track record. It has a much better track yeah. record than we're going to means test welfare and have refundable tax credits. You know, all these Clinton things, the Bill, the Bill Clinton years things. Yeah. Where, you know, it's all this, like, super... Well, I think you and I are very similar in our antipathy for the Bill Clinton policies of the 90s. Well, I think Bill Clinton was a better president than George W. But, you know, it's always important to me to make sure, like, I think a bad Democrat is better than a Republican. Yes. And I'll stand by that. Having said that, I think we can do a lot better. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're talking about the two congressional elections. I would... I would spend most of my energy, if I were like a Democratic consultant, trying to figure out what Parnell did. Yeah. Because whatever it was, it swung that district in a huge way. No, I mean, I have no idea what... I didn't pay any attention to it, so I have no idea what the turnout was there. Well, that's... I mean, one of the theories is that the turnout was low because everybody assumed... Everybody right. assumed it would not even be close, but the Democrats were more energized, whereas in Georgia, everybody knew it was going to be a big deal. Because usually, turnout is better in special elections for Republicans than it is for, for Democrats. Is that true? Because usually in regular elections, turnout is better for Democrats. Right. So special elections tend to mimic more off-year elections. And fundamentally, these districts were... they. The reason these districts are open is that Trump appointed these dudes to positions in his administration, specifically paying attention to making sure they would hold these seats. Right, that they were supposed to be safe seats. And they were. I mean, you know, it's pretty easy. This would be like Hillary appointing someone from New York City. You know, it's like... Yeah. These there are districts where you just don't... You're not going to win. <laughs> no, I mean, I think the reason that there was... Uh, legitimately bitter disappointment in this case is that um again you had polls i i'm never gonna believe a poll again after special election polls are are really rough and i know uh, but and all you know the 2016 election was thoroughly thoroughly polled and it was completely wrong the all the polls well i mean not i mean i don't it's not important it wasn't it wasn't i mean it, it, it from the from the point of view of the popular vote, it wasn't wrong, and um, yeah, but you know what I'm saying. Princeton yeah, Election I mean, Consortium had Hillary. Up. It had her like I think at one point it was 99.9 percent. Right. I mean, 538 had had her quite a bit lower than that, but um, still, still in the 60s and 70s. Right. The point yeah. I'm making is I don't believe polling anymore. 
I don't. Because polling also blew the British election. Well, polling in England is notoriously bad. I just feel like it's a little bit apples and oranges. This to me is connected to what I was complaining about before, where like there's this whole apparatus of running campaigns where you do a lot of focus grouping and a lot of uh, fundraising and a lot of media buys, and then you do a lot of polling, and it's all. It, it feels to me like it's becoming too abstracted from the real facts. Well, of the, the... Pol- the polling, well, that was actually a relatively recent phenomenon. That was something that was really driven by the two Obama campaigns. Yeah, and I think the problem there is Obama was this f- phenomenally charismatic, yeah. once-in-a-generation politician. And so he did all these things, and everyone was like, wow, he's doing so well because he did we'll all these him, things. Yeah. But that's not why. It right. was a mistake. It's... It's because he was. Barack it's because he's Barack Obama. Obama. Yeah, and Hillary Clinton isn't. <laughs> no, which she's well aware of. Oh yeah, everybody's aware of it. I mean, so my takeaway from these is Democrats have got to work on this habit of just being like, "We lost one election. It's all over. We're all going to die." You know. No, like, I agree, and I mean, and we we should focus more on the trend of. 20 point swings and... you just have to run candidates in every district i don't like i i agree with yes. what you're saying but even more fundamentally you can't win if you don't play and so what we should take away and from republicans this, are much better at that than we yes are. they're they are a lot better and they don't ever they almost they never spend any time being like oh do we need to be more careful to reach out to the democrats like no they're like fuck that let's run an even harder core theocrat next time and if they lose, then we'll cut their head off and yeah. throw them in the garbage and run someone up. No. Yeah, right. And well, we'll put them on that wingnut welfare. You know, they'll go be a Cato Foundation fellow or right. whatever. If they're lucky. If they're yeah, if they're lucky. But yeah. so the point I'm saying is, we should become less focused on results, except as they can inform our efforts in the future. Because I, you know, here newsflash: even if we do really well in 2018, that's not the last election ever. There's going to be 2020 and 2022. Yep. And I think we have to be paying attention to building a national movement where we compete in every state, in every district, in every election. And we do have a shitty bench of young candidates, and that we do we now. Of but we have yeah. a great opportunity so need, in the Trump to years them. to yeah. agitate for some young people. You know, young people, young women particularly, are very activated right now. Mm-hmm. Let's get them, you know, like, fuck, Democrats. Like, they, we spend so much energy on self-criticism when we should spend it on trying to just move the ball forward. Yes, and it, it will be all the more important to put energy into it um, after the Supreme Court, here's the Wisconsin gerrymandering case. Hey, that's not on our list. Sure it is. Is it? It was number three on our list. Oh, it is on the list. Yeah, my, I'm, I think they're going to allow the gerrymandering to stand. Yes. Oh, you said that, yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to see Mitch McConnell get rewarded for his betrayal of the country. Yes. Because and the Constitution. Is, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is one of the enduring mysteries to me is what does Mitch McConnell care about? Like why power. is he doing this? I think he does it just for power and jollies. He's decided to destroy the United States for power and jollies? I think basically. I don't know. I don't understand him because he doesn't seem like a zealot. No. It just He doesn't seems, seem like a true believer. It seems like he sort of noticed that he could do these things. And he gets off on it. Yeah, I guess that might be it. 
He just wants I just to see really what he can wish do. He would like. I don't know. I hope he's like writing a memoir to be like. I came here from another planet to destroy the yeah. Earth. Like I want to understand why he's doing it. And then he he'll secretly reveal that he actually voted for Democrats himself, and he's pro-choice, and it was all like it was all ironic. Like like yeah. my favorite Onion article about living her whole life ironically. Yeah, I mean it's um. Or I want I don't know. I just don't understand him. No, I I mean just to get back to a second to actually to this gerrymandering case. Boo. I. I I know how I would vote, but I imagine that there are probably difficult legal arguments about how to define how you can draw up congressional districts based on um, people's party affiliations as compared to the obvious cases where, you know, you can't just take all of the black people in a state and put them all in one congressional district. My understanding about gerrymandering cases is that the Supreme Court strongly would rather stay out of it and have it be a political decision that states make. Yes. And so I suspect they're going to continue to feel that way strongly in this case and not want to get involved. Yeah, well, that was why it was a bit of a surprise that they agreed to take the case at all. I mean, I I, I think that if, if we had... Garland on the bench instead of Gorsuch. Um, I think probably they would rule in a way that we we would have liked. You know, um, well, from what I five, understand, five four vote to stay the Wisconsin state court. Um, I think decision. we might see one of those fun like four three three decision. You know, like well, uh, not that, but four yeah. three two. <laughs> yeah, because um, I think this one might split them up a little bit. But my understanding is that. In order for the Supreme Court to rule that a particular gerrymander is unconstitutional, you have to be able to demonstrate that it disempowers certain groups of voters based on certain criteria that would be constitutionally protected. And, I discriminatory. And discriminatory, right. And, and it's very difficult to, to prove that that's what happened. So and there's, it's a lot more difficult to prove that, as I say, based on party affiliation right which is legal on race or religion everyone understands that it's legal for them to gerrymander on political affiliation well but that's what this wisconsin case is about well i think the the wisconsin thing like they did it so much yeah it it, yeah and so that's the thing is they're trying to figure out a threshold or like some calculation some definition that would allow them to say this is gerrymandering but this other thing is not and and the last time this came up in front of the supreme court anthony kennedy Said that he was very uncomfortable with all of this. Isn't but he if, always? Oh yes, but but if someone could come up with an actual way of testing or Think proving, that Kennedy's he would the most be explicit like a, about like putting specific requests. He'll be like, "I will overturn this rule if someone can do that." Like he'll do that in his decisions yeah. all the time, which is not inherently unreasonable. No, he's sort of wishy-washy, but um, oh, he definitely is. And my, and my for understanding some in this reason case, Chris Hayes thinks that he's going to retire like tomorrow. I don't think he's going to retire. No, I think he's going to. But um, my understanding here is some some clever statisticians have come up with some new way to demonstrate the like marginal impact of a particular vote. Yeah. And how certain gerrymanders cause certain votes to be worth like way more than certain others. Sure. So I, I'm, opt- I'm I'm I hope that something. I think gerrymandering is a pox on this country. 
Oh, it definitely is. And so it would be nice to get it struck down, but I'm not optimistic because, like you said, McConnell has made it... McConnell decided to destroy all the norms so he could install a illegitimate Supreme Court justice who will be the fifth vote to allow disempowerment of black people based on their race. And who seems really satisfied to be that illegitimate. He seems like a total uh, shitbag. Ninth, his ninth fu- his testimony in front of the Senate was like the whiniest... It was very <laughs> self-satisfied. No, it wasn't just that. He was incredibly whiny. Like, he was like, look at what I'm going through. Look at what my family's yeah, going yeah, through. And I I'm know. like, it's well, almost you have not to do a it. job interview for two days? Fuck you. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I was not impressed. I thought he was supposed to be funny and personable. That's what they said. He was very handsome. He's not He's handsome. Fox. He's old. What's our next topic? Do we have any more topics? We're going um, a little bit I'd just like here. to very briefly mention, because I don't know anything actually about this topic. Oh, yeah, I saw um, this one. But it, seems like, like yeah, a, it just seems like a big deal. Um, I, have, that I have no... Well, let's do it. Just I, I just want to mention, you know, in non-directly American-related news, that the king of uh, Saudi Arabia, King Salman, um, who uh, came into power in 2015, I believe, when his brother died, um, he changed the line of succession. Um, he changed who the crown prince of Saudi Arabia was um, to uh, his favorite son, uh, who is also a uh, Salman, I believe. Um, and apparently this is uh, like an unprecedented move in the history of the Saudi monarchy, and, which is really one of the last absolute monarchies um, on earth and um, it has a lot of people in the Middle East quite nervous um, uh, it, the Middle East has been getting hot lately yeah. with Qatar I mean there's been a lot going on so I, I you know, I don't really know what is going to happen Th- this guy's very young um, his father is not in very good health and he's like 85 so um, it seems likely that he's going to become the king of Saudi Arabia sooner rather than later, um, and he's you know thirty one years old. Uh, I don't know anything about this, so I'm I feel like yeah. I'm trying to think of something I can say that won't be incredibly dumb. I believe that Saudi Arabia is involved in a war. And I don't know, maybe not a declared war, but they're hitting Yemen for whatever reason. And so I think this dude getting elevated like this is bad news for Yemen. Yes, because he's been largely running. He, he's sort of the. Uh, well, I don't know what Yemen did to them. I don't know either, it, it, but he's sort of the the Jared Kushner of Saudi Arabia, from oh, what God. I gather, if you will. Just, I, maybe more intelligent. I it wouldn't be difficult. But Who could be more intelligent? Jared is going to solve the Israeli-Palestine peace yeah, situation. He's doing that right now. <laughs> yeah, my ass, he is. Um, but uh, this guy apparently is in charge of like everything in Saudi Arabia, um, and including, as you mentioned, the um, their war with Yemen. Um. And uh, he's also considered to be somewhat impetuous and... Oh, good. That's uh, who I want in charge of right. my war. So it's a... Uh, a young, but, uh, absolute uh, monarch. On the other hand, he's being given credit for uh, modernizing Saudi Arabia and... Oh, was uh, it modernized? Women can drive now? Baby steps, Mike. Uh-huh. 
These are our friends, Saudi Arabia. Was it, what, 10 of the the 9-11 hijackers were Saudi Arabian? Something like that. Yeah, I don't... That situation always has struck me as extremely fucked up. But you said it wasn't Trump-related, but are you domestically related? But don't you take directly this as, related? I think this was related to Trump's visit and how well it went in the sense of reaffirming, you know, of basically. Well, I, I feel like him. He has given Saudi Arabia the green light to just yeah. pummel the want. shit out of anybody they want to. Well, I think that's true. I, from what I gather, this particular move has been in the works for a while. I think we should move to the next segment. Yes, I agree. So, do you want to tell us why you're not staying sane this week? I don't think it's an answerable question. I think it's regrettable that we've put it, that we've built the structure of our show around addressing this question every week. Maybe um, we should move to a different closing segment. It, it's just difficult because I, I feel like, as I say every week, I'm settling into the Trump years with more resignation. And maybe we should maybe we should start. Asking, you know, what are you going to be looking at in over the next week? What am I going to like? Oh, like what upcoming uh, before news? the next show? Like, what are you, what are you going to be looking for? What are you, you know? Well, we are allowed to try new things. Should we just do yeah. this right now? Sure, what what big news it. am I going to be looking for? Yeah, what are you going to that... be looking at over the next week before we talk again? I mean, the, obviously, I'm the most interested in the healthcare act. Sure. Um. You know, I'm interested to see whether they successfully pass it or not. Um, that's the big one that comes to mind. That's the only thing I can really think of. You know, one of the one of the things about the Trump years is there's actually not that much activity, like government activity. Right. No, it's true. It's a, it's a it's a difficult question with the Trump uh, the Trumpian administration because most of the stuff that happens kind of happens out of nowhere yeah well it's just whatever occurs to him i think i i wish i hope that the healthcare thing will i think that there has been too much attention getting paid to the russia thing and i understand we need to be paying attention to multiple things at the same time but trump will be there will come a time when trump is not president anymore but we'll still have to be Eventually. fighting all these policy yeah. fights. And so I, I think um, to the extent – I don't know if this counts as something I'll be looking for. But I'm hoping that the healthcare situation can mark the beginning of more policy focus in the media and the discourse and what Democrats are talking about. And less of the Russia thing because you know we should realize that the Russia thing is important. It's a long term. But it's not going to – it's not going to – work politi- it's not a political success strategy in terms of winning elections for the long haul to be like russia it just doesn't I, do I, anything I'm, i certainly agree with you about that um so i think i will be looking um also at healthcare. obviously um i'm gonna pick though um the i want to see what the coordinated strategy of the democratic party is um Never seen such a thing before, but maybe (laughs) maybe you know pigs could fly. (laughs) That's not really what we're good at doing. No, we're not. But I want to see it because this is so important. Like I, I don't, we don't. I don't even care if we don't do it about some other things. But like I want, I want protests to be organized. I know you're you, you. Gave legitimate reasons why that hasn't been happening. I'm not against them being organized. I want to see. I want to see more. 
I you're looking for a unified the emergence of a unified left and democratic movement specifically on the healthcare issue. Mm. I'm not I'm not going to ask for it in general because that seems like asking for way too much. Well, I mean, I do think one of our long-term problems is going to be unifying the Democratic Institutional Party and the left. Well, we have the issue of not being able to unify around like really basic concepts such as racism and um, It's actually one of the ones we're the best at unifying around, I think. Cuz the Institutional Democratic Party doesn't like racism and neither does the left. Well, I guess I I mean in terms of in terms of voters. I mean, yes, sure, the party is not in favor of racism. The party is like all like, black women. But I feel like racism really binds together the Republicans. In oh, a way. you're talking? Yeah. Well, no, we're not like the Republicans. They're yeah. a monolithic group of crazy people who will do anything racism to enact and, their insane agenda and anti-abortion. Whereas we you know, are a coalition of people with different interests and things that we right. want, who who get together in these loose coalition arrangements. We're just different which, from they are. Which is one reason why I think that we would do terribly in a parliamentary system, too, because we'd have about a hundred different parties and none of them would get any seats. I have, uh, I haven't ever that's thought topic, about it. We'll that's talk, a topic for another let's time. Let's do a special one-hour. We will. How would it be <laughs> if we had a Westminster parliamentary system? That's, that's My that's second for... favorite Westminster thing after the dog show. Well. What about the um, the world-renowned boys' choir? I think a joke as bad as the one I just made is a sign we should stop the episode. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, thanks for listening to Sanity Check. Remember, we are more than 10% through a potential full Donald Trump presidency. Make sure to join us again next week. And if you liked what you heard, you can subscribe at iTunes, the Google Play Store, or at our website, sanitycheckpod.com. And in the meantime, keep resisting and persisting.